That's a lot of food. Thank you guys so much for your outpouring of love and generosity this morning. And I want you to know that you can give this knowing that lives will be blessed from what happened here today, that people will come to know God because of what happened here today as they interact with the people of our congregation who hand out this food with their love, with their encouragement, with their blessings. We pray with those people. Uh, You probably see some of the prayer requests that come through. We bless them in many ways, and so thank you for helping make that happen this morning. Um, It's been a while since I gave you a Bible reading challenge update, and it's going to be a while longer because there were technical difficulties in getting that number this morning. The technical difficulty is I'm 58 years old. I think that probably explains it all. So we will give you a Bible reading challenge update soon. But I do want to say this is our third year in having a Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park. And you'd think after three years I would remember to do what I'm supposed to do, but I didn't. Uh, But it's been three years, and the reason we have these Bible reading challenges is because we we believe in the transforming power of God's Word. And because we believe in the transforming power of God's Word, we believe that every Christian should be involved in daily, regular Bible study. It's when we are immersed in God's word that we are transformed by his word. We must be immersed in God's word. I also want you to know that we're a congregation that believes in the power of prayer. We believe what the Bible says, that the prayer is powerful and it is effective. And we want you to know that we would love to pray for you. You'll look in front of you in the pew and you'll see that there's a green card there. And on that card on one side is a place where you can put down a prayer request. If you have a prayer, a petition that you would like to be brought before God by this congregation, we would encourage you to take that green card, fill out your prayer request, and then drop it in one of the collection boxes and we will honor that request. There are several hundred people who will be praying for you if you'll just do that. You can find one collection box through these double doors, and you can find two more at the very back of the auditorium. We believe in the power of prayer. We also want you to know that we believe in the power of baptism. We are a baptizing church. We believe that it's in baptism that we join in the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we rise up out of the water of baptism as a new creation, redeemed children of God who've been given the gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you do believe that Jesus is the Christ and you haven't been baptized, we really should have a conversation about that. We can start that conversation by using that same green card, just turning it over on the back, filling out your contact information, check the box that says, I would like for an elder or a minister to contact me so we can talk about baptism And then drop that in one of those collection boxes and we'll give you a call Monday morning and we'll start that conversation. We also want you to know that we believe in the power of the church. We believe in the power of the church universal and the power of the church local. The local congregation has power. When we come together, we are much more powerful than we can ever be alone. God has given us the church because we need each other. And because together we can accomplish things that we could never accomplish alone. So if you've been attending Netherwood for a while and you haven't let us know that you would like to be identified as a part of this church, 
Let us know that you would like to serve under the eldership here at Netherwood Park, that you'd like to to work alongside and serve with and worship with the brothers and sisters here at Netherwood Park. We should also talk about that. On that same green card, if you'd fill out your contact information and just check the box that says, I would, would like to talk to someone about being a member of this church. Again, one of the elders or one of the ministers will contact you right away and we'll start that conversation. There is power in being part of a local congregation. Well, as most of you know, we are in the process of selecting additional elders. Additional elders to serve alongside the five elders who are serving currently here at Netherwood Park. And one of our elders, Larry Cochran, spoke last week about the process that we're going through. And Larry also focused most of his attention on 1 Timothy chapter 3 and on Titus chapter 1. And he talked about the qualities that elders should have, those qualities that Paul writes about in those two passages. And this week, I'm going to continue that conversation. We're going to talk about qualities that we should be looking for in new elders. And my focus this morning will be on the shepherding qualities that these men must have in order to effectively serve as elders of this congregation. And I know that whenever we talk about shepherds and shepherding here in our 21st century urban, industrial, technological world, it can seem kind of odd, can seem kind of distant. Unlike in biblical times, I'm pretty confident that there are very few people here who have had much much experience in shepherding sheep or have known a shepherd of sheep. It's just not something that we normally deal with or talk about. And because of that, when we call our elders shepherds, it can seem like just some relic from ancient history. But this morning, I want to assure you that calling the leaders, the elders of the church shepherds, isn't just a quaint reminder of the rustic past. It's much more than that, and it's much more important than that. See, I want us all to understand this morning that shepherd isn't just a title. It is much more than that. In fact, I'm convinced that we can't fully understand and we can't fully appreciate the role that our elders are to play in the life of this church, in the life of each one of us, if we don't understand and if we don't appreciate what it is That shepherds are to do. And if we don't understand what it is that shepherds are to do, we can have a really difficult time recognizing who the shepherds among us really are. And I've got some good news for you this morning as we're in this urban, industrial, advanced society. You didn't have to grow up on a farm, you don't have to have any experience herding sheep or shepherding sheep. You didn't have to grow up on a ranch, you didn't have to be in 4-H, you didn't have to be in FFA to know what qualities shepherds of the church should have. None of those things have to be true because everything that we need to know about the qualities a shepherd should have, we can find in the Bible. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about shepherding God's people effectively. See, we know what shepherds do, and we know what shepherds look like. We know what shepherds act like and sound like. We know where the hearts of shepherds are, because shepherd has always been used in the Bible, not just as a title, but as a descriptive term. 
a descriptive term of leaders who have the heart of God and leaders who have the attributes of Jesus Christ. So you need to know that shepherds have the heart of God and shepherds of the church have the attributes of Jesus Christ. So God seeks out shepherds who are in his image. He seeks out shepherds who are in his image because God is a shepherd. I want you to listen to this beautiful description of God. It's from Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 10 and 11, the prophet says this. He says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Now listen to this. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. God God tends to his flock. Tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms and he holds them close to his heart. And not only is God a shepherd, God's desire has always been to provide shepherds from among his people and for his people who have his same shepherding heart. The prophet Jeremiah, speaking for God, put it this way in Jeremiah chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Jeremiah writes, Return, faithless people, declares the Lord. For I am your husband. He says, I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. See, God's desire has always been to give give his people shepherds after his own heart. Shepherds like Moses and shepherds like Joshua. Shepherds like David and shepherds like the prophets. And ultimately, God gave us the shepherd, Jesus Christ. If you'll remember in John's gospel, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. Peter writes and calls Jesus the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And then a little bit later, Peter goes on to refer to Jesus as the chief shepherd. And in Hebrews, we read that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the good, the great, the chief shepherd who watches over our souls. So, of course, we want to find shepherds among us who watch over our souls who watch over our souls because they are in the image, the image of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Why do we need shepherds? Why do we need shepherds watching over us? Well, it may seem obvious, but we probably should say why we need shepherds watching over us. It's because we're sheep. And if you've ever been around sheep, and if you've ever owned sheep, or you know much about sheep, you know that's not the most complimentary term that could possibly be given to us. Because sheep need shepherds. Because sheep without shepherds don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. 
In the Bible, we see that sheep are described as God's people who don't have shepherds, that don't have the way to go. God's people who don't have shepherds after God's own heart, who don't have shepherds that are in the image of Jesus Christ, they're described as harassed sheep, helpless sheep, sheep that are prone to wander. Sheep without shepherds are vulnerable. Sheep without shepherds are easy prey. And that brings me to the recommendation form that you've probably already seen in your bulletin. And if you haven't, you should go ahead and pull that out now. So what's that form for? Why is there a recommendation form for elders in your bulletin? Well, the current elders are asking for your input. They want your recommendations. And they want those recommendations based on your experiences, based on your observations. Your recommendations for additional shepherds of this flock. And that may seem kind of odd. You might wonder why when searching for elders would you ask the sheep who would be the right shepherds. And the reason that you ask the sheep is because many of the shepherds among us who have the heart of God and the characteristics of Jesus Christ, they're already watching over the flock. And they're being recognized by you, the sheep. You see, since these men are surrounded by sheep, any men among us who have the heart of God and who are in the image of Jesus Christ, they're already watching over sheep. They're already watching over sheep because that's what shepherds do. Shepherds watch over sheep. That's what they do. And you know, we can give people all kinds of titles. We can call them elders. We can call them bishops. We can call them pastors. We can call them presbyters. We can give them the the trappings of an office. We can put their name in the bulletin. But if they aren't watching over sheep, they aren't shepherds. You see, a shepherd without sheep is just another guy with a cane. And frankly, no offense, Dad, we've got plenty of people in this congregation that have canes. But we need shepherds. That may not resonate, might not resonate with you very well, but I'll pull up another image that might resonate better here in the Southwest. Um, those are real cowboys, right? What does that bring to mind? All hat and no cattle, right? I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions on these two gentlemen, but just having a hat and a bandana doesn't make somebody a cowboy. What makes someone a cowboy is taking care of cows. And what makes a shepherd a shepherd is they take care of sheep. So when we, as sheep, are recommending men as our shepherds, we should be recommending those men who are already taking care of sheep. And who better than the sheep to identify the shepherds among us? So I want to spend the minutes that we have left trying to help us identify who among us is already caring for God's sheep. Who are the shepherds among us? And to do that, we're going to let the Bible guide us. We're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to ask some questions. And those questions should help us identify the shepherds who are among us. 
And the first couple of questions we've already hit on, but they're so important and they're so fundamental in what we're looking for in shepherds that we need to talk about them again. So question number one, as we're seeking to identify the shepherds among us, is this. Ask yourself, who among us has the heart of God? Who among us has the heart of God? Who among us are people after God's own heart, men after God's own heart? Who are the godly men among us? That's question number one. And question number two is similar. Who among us is following in the steps of the good shepherd? Who among us is not just a Christian in name, but a Christian in character and a Christian in action? What men among us have the characteristics of Jesus Christ? That's question number two. For questions three and four, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27, we'll start reading in verse 15. This is near the end of Moses' life. And as Moses nears the end of his life, his great concern is for God's people, the people he's been leading, the people he's been shepherding. And with his impending death, Moses is naturally concerned about who's going to take his place. Who's going to watch over the people? Who's going to shepherd the people? So Moses makes this request of God. Numbers 25, beginning, 27, beginning in verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And what did God do? Well, God appointed Joshua. He appointed Joshua to lead the people out and to bring them back in. He appointed Joshua as their shepherd so they wouldn't be sheep without a shepherd. So that leads us to question number three. Ask yourself this, who among us do you trust to lead you out? To use our theme language, who do you trust to lead you out of the boat into uncomfortable places? Which men among us do you trust to do that? And just as important is question number four. Who do you trust to lead you back again from those uncomfortable places? Who do you trust not to abandon you out on the water if you start to sink? Who among us do you trust to lead you out and bring you back again? On questions 5 and 6, we're going to turn back to that great shepherding psalm, Psalm 23. Listen again to Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23 leads us to question number five. Who among us, what men among us do you trust to restore you? When your soul is burdened, when your soul is damaged, when your soul is in a dark place, who do you trust to bring God's restoration to you? And related to that is question number six. Whose presence brings God's comfort to you? When you're touched by death, when you're touched by disease, when you've been affected by betrayal, when you're being attacked by enemies, whose presence brings God's peace to you? Questions 7 and 8, we're going to take these from Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning in verse 11. In in this passage, Ezekiel is seeking to comfort God's sheep. And he's seeking to comfort God's sheep because they are sheep without shepherds. So listen to what is said. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There... They will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. So when we're searching, when we're identifying men after God's own heart when we're looking for men who have the characteristics of Jesus Christ, we should ask ourselves this question, question number seven. Who would you trust to search for you if you became lost? Who would you want to bring God's salvation to you if you needed saving? Who would you trust to search for you and rescue you? What men among us? And question number eight. Who do you trust to feed you? And who do you trust to strengthen you? Who do you trust to give you food that only comes from God? And who do you trust to give you strength that only comes from Jesus Christ? Who among us? Question number nine. Let's turn to Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 32, this is after Jesus has miraculously fed the great crowd. This is what happens next. Jesus and the apostles went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. 
But many who saw them, saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And question number nine, who do you trust to teach you many things? Who among us do you trust to teach what Jesus taught? Who among us do you trust to bring the knowledge that comes from Jesus Christ? Who among us? Well, our next five questions are going to come out of John chapter 10. I want you to listen to Jesus explain what kind of shepherd he is. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter by the sheep pen, who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his he know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Moving down to verse 11, Jesus continues and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So when we're seeking shepherds in the image of Jesus Christ from among us, we need to ask this, question number 10. Whose voice do we want to hear? When things are dark, when times are dangerous, when things are uncertain, when we're anxious or afraid, whose voice is it that brings Jesus' comfort and Jesus' peace to us? Whose voice? And question number 11 is, who do we want guarding this sheep pen? Who do we trust to confront the wolves that would attack us? Who do we trust to not run away when the sheep need protecting? Who among us? Question number 12 who among us do you trust to lay down their life for you? Who do you trust to make sacrifices for you? Who do you trust to put your needs before their own needs? Who do you trust to lay down their life for you? And question number 13 is, who do you trust to know you? To really know you 
Who do you trust that when they know the good and the bad and the ugly about you, who do you trust to really, really still be there for you? Who do you trust that when they know you, that they will lift you up in their arms and hold you close to the heart of God? Who do you trust to know you? And just as importantly, question 14 is, who among us is willing to be known? Who among us is willing to reveal themselves as followers of Jesus Christ, but imperfect followers of Jesus Christ? Who among us is willing to reveal their complete dependence on the good shepherd? Who among us is willing to share with us their triumphs and their tragedies, their hopes and their fears, their faith and their failures? Who among us is willing to be known? Who among us seeks to know and also be known? One final question. This is from Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, Paul's speaking to the Ephesian elders. And Paul gives them these instructions. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flocks of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. So question number 15 is probably obvious. Who do you trust to keep watch? Who do you trust to keep watch over themselves and keep watch over the flock? Who among us do you trust to be on guard? To be on guard and always protecting the sheep of this flock. Who among us do you trust? You see, the elders are asking you, the sheep... They're asking you the question, who among us are the shepherds? Who among us have the hearts of God and the characteristics of Jesus Christ? Who among us are shepherding the sheep? Let's pray. And Father, this is such an important moment in the life of this congregation. And Father, we give you the control of this entire process that we're going through. Father, we trust that you will lift up those men who should be shepherds of this flock. But Father, we also trust that you will work through each of us as you have been working through us so that we can help identify those men who have a shepherd's heart and heart after you. So that Father, we can recognize and lift up the men who follow in the steps of the good shepherd who look and walk and talk like Jesus Christ. Father, we, the sheep, ask you to lift up shepherds to watch over our souls. And Father, we thank you for the good shepherds that you have already given us. We thank you for their love and their care and their concern. We thank you for their willingness to know and be known. 
And Father, we thank you for their love for the sheep of this flock and the way that they protect us and guide us and lead us out and bring us back in. And Father, we ask for more men like them so that this flock can continue in your peace, in your nourishment, and so that this flock can grow and bring glory to your name. And we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So that brings us to uncomfortable challenge number 17. And this is an application challenge. I'm going to ask you to apply today's sermon. What I want you to do this week is I want you to consider the qualities that we talked about last week in 1 Timothy and also in Titus. And while you're considering those qualities that we talked about, I want you to also pull out today's sermon notes. And I want you to prayerfully and carefully answer those 15 questions that we went through today. And after that is when I want you to fill out your nominating form. Then I want you to bring it back with you next Sunday. I want you to hand it to one of our existing elders or put it in the box at the back of the auditorium so that your voice about who among us are the shepherds can be heard. That's your challenge for this week, and this is an important challenge in the life of this congregation and in your spiritual life as you are a part of the flock here at Netherwood Park Church of Christ. Don't forget, the forms are due back by May the 6th. We are the sheep of his pasture. Let us be sheep who love him deeply and who love each other deeply. Let's stand and sing about our love. Sing.